Hello, everyone, and welcome back to For Whom the Bell Trolls. I'm your host, Wolfe, joined, as always, by my great friend. Jolly. And we're here to talk about all things D&D today. In particular, I think we've got a little bit of a kind of a spooky season favorite for everybody. Oh, yeah, you know, Halloween's coming up. I know a lot of you out there is probably going to want to play a few, you know, scary type of games. Oh, yeah. Kind of dark setting, kind of mess with your players a little bit, even if it's just a one-shot or maybe it's something you rolled into your campaign. Tis the season for spooky one-shots, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, today is The Shadow Fell. The Shadow Fell. Yeah. Uh, It's a pretty cool place. Oh, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, uh, a lot of crazy things can happen there. Mm -hmm. So for a lot of you that don't know what The Shadow Fell is, the Shadowfell kind of, it borders the material plane now in 5e. It's a really, it's kind of like the negative opposite of yeah, not, the Not so much plane. negative opposite well, yeah. as it mirrors, it echoes the yeah. prime material plane. See, now, because Char was trying to kill Mistra, the goddess of magic, and then eventually succeeded, which caused the spell plague, now the Shadowfell actually touches the prime material plane yeah instead of making it that much harder the shadow fell or the shadow plane or the demi plane of shadow or the shadow or whatever you want to call it it's been around in dnd for a while so there's a lot of lore to cover and there's a lot of things to get into so we'll get started yeah yeah you know and i don't want to get too deep into it because i mean the lore can change depending on it if you're playing in faerun then Oh, the, yeah, the lore is... The lore's already right changed there. 75 yeah. times. Yeah, um, and you know, and if you're doing your own homebrew campaign, then, you know, the lore behind how the Shadowfell works can kind of change. But for the most part, when we're dealing with the Shadowfell, you got to kind of keep that whole, like, okay, there's a lot of undead. There's a lot of, you know, dark, shadowy creatures. Nasty stuff hiding yeah. out there. Yeah, and, like, probably one of the coolest things is it echoes the world. So first off, I mean, how are you going to get to the Shadowfell, right? Like how does the Shadowfell, how do you lead the material plane and get there? Yeah. You used to be able to find, uh, find like shadow portals almost in certain places, like places that were like unnaturally dark or had been dark for a long time. They would kind of naturally manifest an opening itself. I mean, but you also mainly used to only really really be able to get there through like shadow walk and things like that, like certain spells. Yeah. And uh, now it's like uh, anywhere there's like huge amount of just travesty or anything like that. Mm -hmm. uh, It kind of lessens that barrier between the two planes. So you have, there could be an access there. Kind of like the way it works with the Feywild. If certain things happen in a certain spot, you have a, it thins the veil between the two planes. Mm-hmm. You can go into the Feywild in certain areas. It's the same thing with the Shadowfell. Exactly. The Shadowfell is kind of a mirror of the Feywild as well. Yeah. So, I mean, what what they say most currently about the Shadowfell and all the literature is that it's not just an echo of the Prime Material Plane, which is, you know, the real world that your PCs inhabit. It also echoes and mirrors, like, thousands and thousands of other worlds. So yeah. essentially the plane of shadow is now like an infinite space. Like it, yeah. it reflects everything. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, when you're talking about material plane, this can include any one of the other worlds, whether you're in yeah, Crane like or Greystone or, or yeah. Yeah. So I'm you sorry, know, Greyhawk. Greyhawk. Not yeah. Greystone. 
Yeah, I was just going to go right. I, I accepted that too. I wasn't yeah, paying attention. Just let me get away with that bullshit. Yeah, it's proof that I don't listen to you. Exactly. Um, <clears throat> sorry about that. But no, the uh, with the Shadowfell, man, like the the cool stuff that you can do because you have certain cities. Like if you're dealing with you know you have Evernight that mirrors you know uh, Neverwinter and like different places like that, and if you know, for homebrew campaigns, you can have certain areas that are mirrored. Like, any of the big-time cities has mm-hmm. an opposite in the Shadowfell. Yeah, everything that exists in the prime material plane exists, like, just as a different version. Usually, like, a darker, yeah. more evil version of itself. Yeah, especially with your player characters. And this is where it gets fun for doing, like, a one-shot mm-hmm. or a campaign. Your player characters have a version of themselves in the Shadowfell. Evil shadow versions of the characters. Yeah. And that, to me, is, like, really cool. Oh, dude, it's awesome. Yeah. Like, everybody's got that kind of dark link yeah. side to them. I know that would probably resonate with the most people to explain it that way, so yeah. you're welcome. Yeah. And and by the way, there is a, if you don't feel like building a campaign, you just want to do, like, a quick, or start a campaign based around Halloween, try and do it in a couple of days or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, Curse of Strahd is technically... I mean, it's a demiplane. Yeah, Barovia exists in the Shadowfell. Yeah, it's a demiplane inside the Shadowfell. Mm-hmm. And, well, it's a pretty cool module anyways. Oh, no, Barovia is really cool that it's designed entirely to be dropped into any campaign setting because yeah. it's a demiplane. It's not tied to one geographical location. Yeah, yeah, and uh, that that's the other cool side of the Shadowfell for, you know, just a little lore reasons. There are multiple, like, demiplanes inside the Shadowfell. Mm-hmm. And there are certain entities that try to draw you inside of it. And if you get inside those demiplanes, it's really hard to get out. Like, it's easy to get in. But in order to get out, you have to do specific things mm-hmm. to get released. So you could end up trapped in there for, for a very long time. But, yeah. but here's the kicker to that. Is time doesn't mean the same thing in the Shadowfell. Time yeah. doesn't pass the same way. Yeah. Yeah. It It definitely it passes differently. Like, your perception of time changes um, especially become like depressed, which I thought was a cool thing in the lore. Like depression mm-hmm. can cause time to pass, like you perceive it more slowly. Well, it messes with and your perception still, of time, period. Yeah, but especially like enhances any kind of negative emotion. Yeah, like uh, the, an example that we heard was you know, uh, you know, you could be you could mourn the loss of a friend for an hour, and it's actually been years. Yeah, or, or you've weeks. been crying because yeah. you lost a party member and it's actually been, you know, several days. Yeah, and like th- that type of thing is really, it's really kind of a cool aspect because then you can really kind of mess with the players a little bit and have a little bit of spooky kind of fun because mm-hmm. you know everyone wants to do it around this time of year. Oh, so, of course. So, you know, now we're going to get into, you know, h- how do we use this? You know, how... How would you like to use the Shadowfell in a campaign? Like, what would be your, like, cool... Are you kidding me? I want to go there. All right. Yeah, I want to take a team of intrepid adventurers and fight our way bravely into the stronghold of the Raven Queen and then die. Because, let's be honest, you're not going to fight her. She's a god with the power of multiple gods that she's killed and absorbed, so... Yeah. Yeah, she's pretty much running the show. I mean, I'd I'd like to see her in person, like, get a personal death. That'd be cool. Right. Because otherwise I don't see how you're going to... Maybe if we got like a table of 20 people and we went in there, we'd have a chance. 
I mean, you'd, you'd have a chance to see her at least. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, because I mean, she does have a faction that's the largest faction in the Shadowfell. Yeah, it's true. Um, She's so powerful that she even outlawed the worship of the demon prince Orcus yeah. in the entirety of the Shadowfell. Even though he's absurdly powerful there, they yeah. will kill you. Yeah. So when we when we go further into it, like really good. I mean, there's so much you can work with. Like I mentioned before, if you want to do a run through, maybe you have your own little one shot planned mm-hmm. where you want your team to go to Ravenloft. You know, maybe it's not so much straw. Maybe it's an item that he has in Ravenloft, and you're just trying to get all the you know demi plane. Oh, I didn't um, get far enough into Curse of Straw to find out that he had any special items. Well, no, I'm just saying like homebrew style, not oh, Curse okay, of Straw. I was about to say, yeah, no, 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 like, no. If he's like, got no. cool stuff. I've never seen it. Yeah. So. <laughs> I just don't know telling, you know. He is the first vampire. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, you can kind of do things like that, some things with the Shadowfell, and even for players. There's some really cool things that you can do. Like, when I found out about the Shadowfell and actually got into the lore, I created a character whose background deals with it. Mm-hmm. You know, because I, like I like the Horizon Walker class. I haven't had a chance to play it yet. Only until just now. And uh, the character I have, Alexander Farwalker, is a Horizon Walker half-elf. Mm-hmm. And uh, the the dealings with that is inside the Shadowfell, him and his father went, because they created a group of Horizon Walkers that are based upon like the cosmic balance. Mm-hmm. You know, So they were doing a mission inside the Shadowfell, and <clears throat> he came across his opposite, who uh, found some way to actually possess him. Oh, and, Force him to kill his own father. Uh-huh. So the plot now, thickens. oh yeah, yeah, and it, it took him a lot of time. He didn't feel like he was there for very long, but he was gone for years. And you know, now he's back in the material plane. He's fighting with the other version of himself for control oh. of his own body. I see. I yeah. like it. Yeah. So uh, there's little things like that you can do as a player that develops around the Shadowfell, and it's actually possible from the Shadowfell because now you have this character that. He can turn into this other person, you know, because he's losing that mental battle because of something going on. Mm-hmm. And now he it's not about the cosmic balance. Now it's about cosmic chaos. Right. You know, he doesn't want it to be balanced. Well, it gives you that fun little dichotomy in the character. You get to yeah. play with that duality of nature in itself. And that's interesting. Like yeah. It's a really fun little hook. That's a fun little creation to put into a character's backstory. Yeah. Yeah. And. That's what Shadowfell can do for you. And then, you know, maybe with that character, you know, in a campaign or a one shot or something like that, I can end up going back there mm-hmm. and having to deal with all of that. Um, but, you know, there's different ways to do it. Like if you're doing a campaign around it, yeah, you know, it's in these guys, you know, maybe you have, maybe you have a character, let's say a paladin that, you know, now has to go uh, on a redemption arc or something like that like maybe he did something incredibly wrong like let his anger take control of him and wrong someone killed someone something like right. that now he has to atone for what he's done yeah and he ends up in the shadow fell so now his party members are like okay we need to go get this guy out right you know we need to go save him he's not fully gone yet well a lot of the thing is is that if a pc like somebody from the prime world inhabits the shadow fell you know, you could have been hanging out for a couple of weeks or a couple of months, but in actuality, it's been years. You know, you'll lose time that way. People who start to spend more time in the Shadowfell, eventually, they're known for, like, kind of losing their vigor. Like, everybody comes becomes lethargic. Yeah. Like, everybody just kind of 
dims down. Like they actually physically don't appear to be so like bright and full of life and vibrant. They start to turn dark. Like their skin will change color, their hair, they'll lose their hair sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes it'll just change color. Like the shadow fell has an actual like physical effect on PCs that stay there for too long. Yeah. So, I mean, you don't have to worry about it like through the course of an adventure. If you go in, like for a couple of days and come out, like you'll be fine. No, your characters actually have to spend like significant time yeah. there to start having those yeah, changes but, apply. Yeah, but if you're going on like a rescue mission or something, yeah, like stuff that, like that, you're in and out. You're fine. Yeah, mostly. Like, you know, and what if the person you're going for has been there a long time? You know, they start to see that change. It's not only just physical change. You're talking about mental changes as well. Yeah, absolutely, because this is considered a dark place. Yeah, you know, they could end up being. You know, they might have been the nicest person in the world, but now they're, you know. They'll just kill you just for the fun yeah, of it. This is an echo of the person, and it's believed in the Shadowfell that everybody that inhabits that area is just a pure manifestation of like their anger or their hatred or their depression mm-hmm. and their sadness. Like it's the darkest aspects of their psyche. Yeah. Is and what then, comes to life. Yeah, and then when you go further into it, I mean, if you want to just add it into your lore to make the lore better inside your campaign that you already have. Like, the Shadowfell is really useful in that sense. Like, why not use, because uh, another aspect of the Shadowfell is that it gives you, it shows you what could have happened in certain places. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, if a, if an army of evil men come in and just ransack a village, well, in the material plane, a group of adventurers stopped that. Mm-hmm. You know, or another army came and saved the day. Um, but there, they actually accomplished that, and it shows right. that. But there's also certain parts in the Shadowfell you can kind of see what could happen in certain places. Um, yeah. A lot of people don't think of that aspect because you can go to like, let's say you're in the Shadowfell and you're in an area and you see your childhood home. You can see what could have happened to your childhood right. home. Or you can also see what may happen, even though it hasn't happened in Material Plane, it's happened in the Shadowfell. And it's something that could still happen mm-hmm. in your hometown or whatever. So when you get into that, well, maybe you have fortune tellers or mystics in your campaign. How do they do that? Well, maybe they, you know, take Yeah, strolls. maybe they're learning how to see the future by going into the Shadowfell. Yeah, and determine that. They spent years doing it. Right. You know, like, there's really good ways of doing that. I think there's actually a, it's actually a race that kind of does that. The mm-hmm. fortune tellers, uh, the Vistani. Yeah. yeah. Vishanti, yeah. Vistani, I can't yeah. remember. Vistani, they're, they're kind of like, you know... They're the, D&D gypsies. Yeah, basically. Like stereotypical European gypsies. Yeah, yeah, like they'll... They, yeah, the, let's focus on okay, being like, the stereotype. Yeah, the stereotype, like the yeah. romanticized version of the gypsies, yeah. like from books and movies and things like that, like very yeah. cartoonish characters. Yeah, you know... Think they, about like the gypsies from Hunchback of Notre Dame, yeah. from the animated film. It's yeah, kind of like very, that. They're very animated and, you know, they're willing to bring other people in and you know, teach them their ways and stuff like that. They're very secluded from them, everything. And they're really about rejoicing. But the big thing is they're also fortune tellers. Mm-hmm. And a part of that comes from spending time in the Shadowfell because they roam so much. And uh, I think that would be like a nice aspect into a campaign. Like you have these fortune tellers and people are like, okay, so they just use magic. Well, now you can be like, well, yeah, but yeah. what they're really doing is they've figured out how to interpret things from the Shadowfell. Mm-hmm. What that information meant to me was that the fortune tellers and soothsayers and oracles, whatever, they can see by going into the Shadowfell, they can see what has happened and what could happen. 
because in the shadow fell, it's usually supposed to be like the worst case scenario of what happened is what is like their canon timeline, yeah. like what actually happened for them. <clears throat> Excuse me. So they have the opportunity to see like what's the absolute worst outcome. But keep in mind, it's also mirroring thousands of other worlds. And to me, it also seems like it could be different timelines in general, like different dimensions where different things played out different ways. Yeah. So accessing the Shadowfell gives you the opportunity as a mage that can use any kind of divination magic. It really gives you the opportunity to spice up like what you can find out and what kind of lore you can come across. Yeah. Like that's good for DMs and players that yeah. want to get into that kind of stuff. Yeah, and I'm glad that you mentioned magic because that's another thing as a DM. Maybe you have like a a magic heavy party, or maybe there's certain magic dealers like a wizard's doing a lot of damage and you can't quite figure out, you know, and you don't really want to punish your players for just playing what they have. Mm-hmm. And you want to challenge them a little bit. Guess what? In the shadow fell. Unless it's shadow magic specifically, <laughs> it doesn't work as well. It magic doesn't really work the same, does it? No, no. In the shadow fell, magic is actually weaker. Even even dark magic. The only thing is shadow magic specifically does become powerful. Um, and necromancy. Mm-hmm. Necromancy, you will see that it works better, but that's because of how that plane is. Right. Well, it's said that. Any sources of light are diminished. Like, even fires aren't as hot. Like, they're barely warm. Yeah. And just because it's light, even though the light is being suppressed, like, those smaller light sources, like a, a light spell or a torch, will only give you half of the normal range of illumination in the Shadowfell. But because of that, like, the darkness suppressing the light magic and things like that, even though they're being pushed down and weakened and dampened substantially, that light can still be seen like 10 times as far away as normal because it is the only light source. Yeah. So imagine how much easier it would be able to see the lights if they weren't dampened at all. Yeah. So, I mean, they do a pretty good job of kind of keeping everything condensed and keeping it in one spot. Yeah. As far as like light magic goes. Like some, like the darkness spell will still have effects and things like that. Which is weird because I've read that the darkness spell is still considered a spell that generates light, even though it's the opposite of light. Yeah. So that magical darkness still shows up like a beacon of light would in the Shadowfell. Yeah, it still doesn't. It's you gotta understand, like magic does really wonky stuff oh, in yeah. the Shadowfell. Yeah, and it's a really great way to mess with people because you can imagine, okay, I'm going to use my magic, it's not working as well. And you're like, okay. Well, because of the region that we end, I know that this forest exists here. Well, it's a vibrant, glorious forest on the material plane. Mm-hmm. But when you get there, it's twisted roots and right. odd-looking trees. Like, it is the creepiest-looking place you've ever been to. Which I think that's why we're kind of talking about Shadowfell today. Is, yeah. Man, it is so perfect for, hey, you know, Halloween's here. Bro, let's it's do scary. A, yeah, like, let's do a one-shot. Like, this is really going to mess with people. Like, you know, we've always discussed, um, you know, you and... V, you know, always discussed, talked about doing a uh, um, a monster campaign. Yeah, that like wasn't... Like a scary... Yeah, no, that was not so much a monster campaign as like a doom and gloom scenario. Yeah. And go figure, the world we concocted more or less reflects the Shadowfell. Yeah, yeah, like the Shadowfell exists for fun adventures just like that. And I mean, it messes with the players. It You can throw in all kinds of crazy, fun stuff. 
So, you know, it's pretty fun. And the other thing is, you know, going back to the whole, like, <clears throat> seeing different uh, futures or different presents in the Shadowfell mm-hmm. that didn't actually exist in the material plane, you really want to mess with your players. Some of those things in the Shadowfell did actually happen in the material plane. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, with my character, that was part of what messed with him was he actually tried to travel to his home in the Shadowfell to see if he can get, you know, find an entrance back to the material plane mm-hmm. close to home. And he saw, like, a, you know, a couple of trolls, like, actually destroy his childhood home and kill his mother. And his his brother just somehow escaped. But to him, he was like, okay, this is just them messing with me. Right. You know? And he was still kind of out of sorts, still battling himself because he had been there for so long. He was starting to fall into all of that. Because, mm-hmm. you know, he didn't think he had been there that long, but it had been years at this point. And uh, so... That's something to mess with the players, too, because then they could be like, oh, well, it's the Shadowfell. Like, that's what could have happened. That doesn't mean it actually happened. No. And then you get to the material plane like he did, and it threw his emotions out of whack entirely. And uh, did some pretty messed up stuff there. And a little too graphic for the podcast. Yeah, let's, uh, let's keep but, that to ourselves. <laughs> but, you know, it's... We'll it, save it's, that for the Patreon. Yeah, right? And... Um, but no, I mean, that's what you can do with the Shadowfell, though, is you can... This is this is an opportunity to really, if you have people that are willing to do it, just mess with their heads. Yeah, absolutely. Like this is the Shadowfell <laughs> is a perfect setting for a DM to just go buck wild and be like, all the rules you know no longer apply. Yeah. And just yeah. kind of throw their hands up and be like, everything is arbitrary. All right, let's do this. Yeah, and man, oh, it could God. be a good palate cleanser. Oh yeah, definitely. And we'll probably be doing something around that ourselves, just on our own. And, like, it's, oh, God, it's so, like, there are some really cool planes out there, but Shadowfell is probably one of, like, the most intriguing for that type of stuff. Like, I I like something that's really going to mess with my character's sense of self because then that just brings another level to the game, and mm-hmm. it, it draws you in and makes you, makes you more invested because then you're like, wait, hold on a second. Like, this is, wow. Right. I wasn't expecting this. Well, it gives you more to latch on to. Like, it gives you more to work with. Yeah. Like, it gives you something to help build your character hooks. Because, I mean, that's what you want to do as a player and as a DM. Yeah. Like, the DM shouldn't be responsible for giving you your character's entire backstory. Like, you got to give them something to work with, too. Yeah. So, stuff like that, I think it's great. Adventuring hooks. Everybody's got them. Everybody needs more of them. Oh, yeah, man. And please, guys, do it for yourself. Go ahead and check out. You know, the Shadowfell, I'm going to have in the affiliate links below, there's going to be a DM's guide. That's where it actually explains the Shadowfell, but there's mm-hmm. a few other supplementals I'll throw in there to actually help. Um, also, Tasha's Cauldron Everything comes out in a couple weeks. Uh, we have the link in there. Go ahead and get that pre-ordered because, man, 22 new subclasses. It's going to be exciting. Yeah, group patron. They got lineage options for customizing with that i mean the sidekicks is in there i mean it's going to be a really good supplemental guide so go ahead you know guys you you know it doesn't cost you anything extra you end up helping us out um but as we start to go into the break here another reminder as well just you know hey you know you'll probably see if you're watching this on youtube you'll see a few of our shirts uh if you're listening to us just through a podcast whether it be Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, oh, yeah, anything like that. we're expanding the network. Yeah, go ahead and uh, take a look there uh, inside the description. Check out our Teespring store. Also, we have a Patreon if you just want to give to us directly and help us 
improve our content and become oh, yeah. better. Absolutely. We'd like to be able to afford better equipment so we can make a better quality yeah, yeah. content and, for you folks. And as a reminder, guys, this is the last week for the uh, discounts on Books A Million. We have those affiliate links in there as well. Go ahead and check that out. And on top of that, we're also adding a Audible link that for you get two free books and a 30-day free trial to Audible. Oh, sweet. Cost you nothing. And it actually helps us out. Oh, wow. Can I use that? But yeah, you can go right ahead. Oh, nice. Yeah. But uh, let's read gonna... something fun together. Yeah. So we're going to go go ahead and cut into the break. And when we come back, I get to do a player rant today. Ooh. And we also have a new segment coming in that we're going to try and uh, see how you like it. Oh, it's going to be saucy. All right. Lords and ladies, bigs and littles, heroes and villains, and everyone else. We'll be right back. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. This is Jolly here, and well, it's time for my little player rant for this week. And today it's about it's about the the fun friend that we all have. You know who he is, the Edge Lord himself. The screwer of all ideas. The most irritating person you've ever been around while playing D&D. That's right. The chaotic, evil character. I'm so sick and tired of it. Last week you probably heard me talking about the people that, oh well, my character would do that. These are the worst perpetrators of that idea. I'm chaotic evil, so that means I'm going to screw the party over at every chance that I get because it's chaotic and it's fun. All right. Um, if you want to play the Joker, just go play one of the numerous Batman games that are out there, okay? Play Injustice a little bit or something, all right? I don't care, okay? I don't care. Stop messing up my game because, oh, I'm chaotic evil and it's fun and cheeky. I don't care about that. Seriously, man. What is wrong with you? Do you really hate yourself and your friends that much that you're willing to ruin an entire campaign because... I'm a rogue that likes to steal from everybody and makes everything ridiculous. Because, hey, chaotic evil, that's what I do. It's my alignment. You know what? It's fine if you have a whole group of party of evil people that are like, hey, you know what? Let's all have a little bit of fun. But don't come into my game and be a chaotic evil creature when we're trying to do good guy stuff. And be like, oh, well, I'm chaotic, so this is why I did all of these dumb things. I don't even want to talk about the different ideas because it just it just blows my lid off and I'm not happy about it. So please, please, dear God, find some inspiration. Listen to our other episodes or whatever you got to do. Buy some books. Just please figure out how to build an actual character with some real depth. Because I swear to God, the next time I see somebody write down Chaotic Evil on their player character sheet, I'm throwing that crap in the garbage. It's been a fun time with you. I'm going to go ahead and let it go back. And we're going to kick into our new segment, which is Monster Manual A through Z. Hey guys, and welcome back. And today is our newest segment we're doing on D&D. Oh yeah, we're bringing new content all the time. Yeah, so this is going to be called the Monster Manual A through Z. 
All right, an important distinction to make right here. Uh, we're only covering the monsters. We're not covering any playable races in this A to Z. We'll do another breakdown at some point, I'm sure, of playable, playable monster races, things yeah. like that. But for simplicity's sake, we're only going to talk about monsters. Yeah, and uh, today we're going over the first one, which is the Abolith. Everybody's least favorite abomination. Oh, man. Or their favorite, depending on how you look at Probably it. Probably one of the scariest things that you could ever come across. Listen, man, I'm looking at the picture of this thing in the monster manual and it's making me uncomfortable. Like this, I have a real book in my hands. Here the here the pages. Uh, it took us a minute because I was trying to find the monster manual, but apparently all I could find was four copies of the DMG in this house. So yeah. we might have a small issue, but we'll get over it. <laughs> yeah. But no, uh, so first of all, just to describe the Abolith, these are ancient old creatures uh mostly from the elemental plane of water uh but they they're from the time before the gods even they are like the original form of life that dominated the earth yeah like they're primordial beings yeah and uh well before the gods they pretty much enslaved every other creature yeah with their abilities and uh made them work then the gods showed up Kind of smacked them around a little they bit, told like, them to go bye bye. No way. Yeah. So, just as a description, these are these are creatures that live in like deep lakes, uh, lots of water around them. Obviously, being from the elemental plane of water, uh, so they're mostly swimming, and uh, they have the ability to use telepathy. Oh yeah, a lot of it. Yeah, and they're terrifying, tentacly fish like creatures oh they're absolutely terrifying to behold like you owe it to yourself to look up a picture like i thought the third edition aboliths were terrifying no this is this is nightmare fuel yeah, yeah now the purpose of these we're not gonna go too much into the lore so that's about as far as we're gonna get because as we go in describing like their abilities and things that they can do then we'll go into how you can use these creatures in your campaign. Yeah, we're going to tell you what they can do and give you ideas about how to use them. If you want like a fully in-depth lore breakdown, there's some YouTube channels out there, like Mr. Yeah. Rex is my personal favorite. Yeah, AJ Pickett also does it. Yes, Mr. He Rex certainly does. It. They Between the two of them, they've got just about everything covered. Yeah. So, getting into it, uh, what kind of... All right, an abolith is a large aberration. It is lawful evil. In case you're one of those DMs that actually likes to use alignments in 5th edition, seeing as how they're almost completely useless. Uh, just notable notes. Um, it has dark vision of 120 feet and telepathy out to 120 feet. It's amphibious. It breathes air and water. The, the problem I have is the mucus cloud. Yeah. Like the mucus cloud is a little little scary. So I'll give you all this little tidbit from the book if you'll bear with me with my narrator voice for a moment. <clears throat> While underwater, the abolith is surrounded by transformative mucus. A creature that touches the abolith or that hits it with a melee attack while within five feet must make a DC 14 constitution saving throw. On a failure, the creature is diseased for 1d4 hours. The diseased creature can breathe only underwater. Yeah. So yeah. if it touches you, or if you touch it, or if you're too close to it at all, it'll make you all icky. Yeah. And yeah. when you got the ick, you can't breathe air. Yeah, you can't breathe air. And, uh, well, what's that uh, What's that next little Billy? Is that a probing telepathy? Oh, probing telepathy. Yeah, equally as terror-inducing. 
If a creature communicates telepathically with the Aboleth, the Aboleth learns the creature's greatest desires if the Aboleth can see the creature. So if you're within 120 feet of an Aboleth, and it can see you, and it goes, sup, in your head, and you respond, sup, in your head, it then has the opportunity to read your darkest thoughts. Yeah, yeah, it's they're they're pretty crazy creatures. And uh, when you get down into it, I mean, they got some pretty nasty attacks, too. Oh, yeah. They have a multi-attack, which means they attack with no less than three of their tentacles at a time. Yeah. So you're going to get hit hard. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They have a tell attack. And I don't, I personally don't agree with the fact that they're only a challenge rating 10 because these are some scary monsters. Oh, you yeah. see that 10 and you're like, whatever, like yeah. no big deal. I got this. No, no, you really don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's they're they're pretty. Ter- they can give, they can give higher level parties just as much of a problem as yeah, regular they can, ones. They can give you the same disease if they hit you with their tentacle attack. Yeah. So it's not just being you know within short range. The tentacles have a ten foot range, so they can reach out and smack you. It's just you usually want to get every ranged character in the party to stand really far away and just kind of pick this thing off in the distance, you know, like old video game style. Yeah. But then you run into the issue. They're usually in the water and you have all the negatives to the attacks and they have a swimming speed of 40 feet. Yeah. So when we get all into that, that's, that's a majority of like what they can do. And, um, on YouTube, we'll probably, uh, well, I know I'll definitely have it scrolling through and showing these two so you can read them yourselves. Um, on the podcast, go ahead and check out, you know, if you have the monster manual, whatever, go ahead and look through it while you're listening. Uh, they have one other thing, which is their, they get three times per day. Oh yeah. The enslave feature. Yeah. All right. Bear with me on this one. (sighs) The Aboleth targets one creature it can see within 30 feet. Okay. The target must succeed a DC 14 wisdom save or be magically charmed by the Aboleth until the Aboleth dies or until it is on a different plane of existence. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty nasty. Like, That's Aboleth. absolutely overpowered. Yeah. It's scary. Yeah. So we pile all of this together and they already sound pretty good. And it's a CR 10 creature. By the way. Oh, yeah. They can three a day enslave. Would you yeah. like me to continue the description? Because that's uh, not it. Oh, no, that's not. No, it's fine right there. We'll keep moving along. And So how are we going to use this in your campaign? Well, there's all kinds of ways. Because, well, you know, you maybe you have a fishing village that's dealing with this. Maybe you have a dungeon that leads down to, like, a underwater cavern that with, like, a deep lake inside of it. Um, these creatures are really good at that type of stuff because you got to understand, Abolists have a natural memory, which is also described in the Monster Manual. They remember everything. Everything from the beginning. Literally, they have genetic memory. So yeah. an, an Abolith will know everything that every Abolith before it has ever yeah. known. Yeah, a nice little small tidbit. Abolists are actually afraid of Mind Flayers. Because mind flares don't technically exist yet. So yeah. they have no memory of them. Yeah, that's a nice little tidbit. Like, that's good information, like flavor between two different races. But let's not go down the rabbit hole of just <laughs> oh, how yeah. terrifying that is when yeah. you realize that they're afraid of mind flares because mind flares don't exist yeah. yet. Yeah, like, it's that's kind of the crazy thing. But, I mean, that, that memory and, like, Atlas don't technically die. So there's something you can work with with that, like 
you know, maybe bring it back at some point. Yeah, absolutely. Because it takes some, you know, it could be a couple of weeks, could be a couple of months, and they reform in the elemental plane of water, mm-hmm. and they can travel back. Uh, but, man, these are terrifying creatures. So when you're using it in your campaign, you have, like, these lakes or something like that. First of all, you're putting your players into an underwater combat mm-hmm. scenario, which is really great for helping you balance. Like, maybe they're... Maybe the combat has, like, kind of shut down a little bit, you know, and, like, it's just too easy for the player characters, and, like, you're trying to figure out new ways to engage them mm-hmm. while throwing just, you know, bodies at them. Um, Ablis are a good way of doing that, because then you force them in the water, so your ranged characters can't... Um, they have disadvantage when they're firing outside of... Uh, yeah, they have disadvantage when they're firing. They can't shoot outside of their minimum range. Mm-hmm. Like they can't use a long-range attack. Yeah, if it's a 30-foot range on a javelin, you can only throw it 30 feet. Yeah. Like, it does not go further than that. Yeah, yeah. Like, with the longbow, it's 150, and then you have uh, 600 feet, 300 feet. Something like that. I can't even remember now. I'm right. Like, and I'm I still one. belong to the yeah. old school of D&D players that are kind of scared of water combat, because now all of a sudden yeah. you've got to think and move three-dimensionally. Yeah. Uh, you can't swing weapons. The only weapons that work underwater are like crossbows and stabbing utensils. You yeah. cannot swing. Well, in 5e, they kind of got rid of some of that. I know uh, those exist in 5th edition. Those rules well, still exist. Yeah, yeah. You have disadvantage on all your melee attacks. Mm-hmm. Uh, piercing weapons. Except for like the trident and like a yeah. spear you can still attack with because yeah. they're designed to work in the water, obviously. Yeah, yeah, they're piercing weapons. Yeah. You're thrusting them. Uh, but yeah, man, that's... Uh, oof. Like these creatures add so much element just because of that underwater combat type of element. You add in the fact that your melee characters are going to have to do like constant wisdom saves. Dude, the mu- it's, mucus a C- cloud. it's a CR-10 water beast that's gigantic... Yeah. It has telepathy. It has blind sight. It swims exceptionally well. It can turn you into a stinking, like, brain dead slave servant yeah. very easily. If I was going to use them, I'd use them really far away, like, as far away as possible if <laughs> yeah. I had to encounter one. I don't. I don't want to be anywhere near an Aboleth. Oh, yeah, and then you like you can end up having party members turn against you, which increases the scenario. Like, yeah. these creatures are great for just bringing in this next level type of play because I we uh, we came across one in Tomb of Annihilation. Oh, yeah. And it was still a difficult fight. There was CR-10, mind you, and it was just one. And we were already, what, level 11 or 10 12? or 11. 10 or 11 there. at that point. So it should have been a pretty easy fight for mm-hmm. us. And, well, go figure. One of our party members jumped down yep. in there, got too close to Mucus Cloud, felled that wisdom save, and then, you know, we're trying to take it down and fight them, and it's in the water at the same time. So, like, Avalis adds so much to that. So... No, they're absolutely terrifying enemies to have on the field, and they give you the opportunity to do some really cool stuff, like give your players an opportunity to, like, go to an old forest mountain lake, like, let them find these deep underground caves. Like, let them go to these remote locations that hold bodies of water. And that's where you'll most likely find an Aboleth. Oh, yeah. And maybe, even if they're younger ones, like, even if they're not full-size, they're still terrifying. they yeah. still got all their abilities, and they can still... They could TPK. Yeah. Uh, like, I mean, that potential cannot be underestimated yeah, from them. Or, or maybe you're deep out at sea, you end up in an area that's pretty close mm-hmm. to the elemental, water pla- elemental plane of water. Like, that's... Wow. 
You know, yeah. like you're definitely going to run into one around there somewhere. Maybe a younger one, but you're still going to have a hard time. Oh, yeah. It. If there's water, there's a good chance there's an apolith in yeah. it somewhere. Because yeah. guess what? Even a young apolith still has the memories of his entire race. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and like, that's like the coolest thing. And I su- I really suggest going and looking at the lore of these creatures because it makes it so much better. But yeah, we gave a little little taste of the lore, but there's so much more about yeah. them. Yeah, so hopefully this all helps you. And uh, you know, obviously we're gonna do some work on it, clean it up a little bit in the future as we go along, going through the monster manual. But you know, this is to help you DMs, probably give you an idea of a new creature. Maybe you're struggling. Absolutely. And uh, the Ableth is the savior that you've been looking for. I don't know if it's a savior. Yeah. Well. We're uh we're gonna be wrapping up soon, but before we break for the day, I'd like to bring it up because it bears mentioning the uh, the new Unart Arcana just came out this week. Yeah, and it's interesting. I'm interested to see what happens. We got a dragon monk and a dragon ranger. Like those are interesting little toss ups. Well, yeah, I wouldn't necessarily call it a dragon ranger. It's no, a, it's a Drake, it's a Drake warden. warden. Yeah, and it's a pet class. Yeah, I personally like it because I think that the Drake Warden has a lot of cool flavor, like for role play scenarios and things yeah. like that. But it's when you look at it mechanically, it's another pet class. Yeah, so no, you're I'm not going to have the DPS potential. Yeah, well, so I'm curious to see it. And uh, this is on the uh, Wizards of the Coast website. Mm-hmm. You can check it out. It's, it's Unearthed uh, Arcana number five, uh, part five. Yeah, um, specifically subclasses part five. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really nice. There's actually some really good videos out there as well that some people have done covering it. Tulak, who we mentioned before. Yeah, Tulak the Barbarian. Crafter. He's a great guy. Yeah. Um, and also uh, Nerd Immersion, mm-hmm. which he's really... Used. I love watching his stuff for like Tasha's Cauldron of Everything, stuff like that. Like He does a really good job. He just He's always pretty accurate with predictions of things right. going on with D&D and Wizards of the Coast. So it's really nice to have access to people like him. And there's probably more out there, so please feel free to leave that in the comments. Mm-hmm. You know, if you know of other YouTubers, maybe there's a smaller YouTuber out there that does a really good job. We would love to point people in their direction oh, as absolutely. well. Absolutely. We're always looking for new creators in the space. Yeah. Like we're always looking for new voices. Right. And, uh, man. I will also uh, inside I... the comments, you know, let us know how we did. You know, that tell us, hey, you know, like that A to Z could use a lot of work. Mm-hmm. You know, it's in the process. And, um, you know, if you're listening to us in the podcast, give us a review, leave us a message. Hey, you can leave us a voice message now. I've, you know, I've turned that on. So fancy. That's something we can even play up in the world, folks. Hey, yeah. And we might be able to feature a few of those inside of the, uh, podcast. Uh, also you've probably heard me mention YouTube a lot and I've realized I haven't done a really good job of this. Guys, we have a YouTube channel. Oh my God. You're the worst. Yeah, I know. It's called trolls under a bridge. Please go check it out. All of our videos on there. We actually have the small sections of the players' rants. If you have a players' rant that you like and you want to show to your DM or, you know, another friend, mm-hmm. you know, maybe the one that I just did, you're like, oh my god, this is my buddy John. Right. Like, there's you know, a playlist for that. Yeah. So we have play. We have all those videos over there. We're, we're definitely working into getting more content around D and D, also on the channel as we improve. So please go check it out. Give us a subscribe. Help. Uh, Help us push this more, you know, share it with your friends, things like that. And uh, I'd also like to, we're not being paid for this. We don't have an affiliate link for it or anything else, but I came across an app called Good Pods. It's a really great app. It allows you to uh, basically suggest to your friends 
what kind of podcast you're looking for. You can access any podcast on it and listen to it from there. But it kind of works like a Twitter in a sense. Like you just you leave it on the page and people can see it and right. follow. So it's like a social media platform specifically yeah. dedicated to helping yeah, exactly. you find new yeah. podcasts. And yeah, it's, share on, them. it's on iOS. It's on Android. Go ahead and check it out. And if you do, go ahead and uh, type in, you know, at For Whom the Bell Trolls. We're on there. Feel free to follow us there as well. Oh, yeah. We're like MasterCard. We're everywhere you want to be, baby. Exactly. Or we're trying to get there. Yeah, we're trying. We're trying to get there. You know, we're working on it. So I appreciate all of your time today, guys. And uh, just remember, it trolls for thee. Absolutely. I've had a great time. I'm glad we had this moment together. All right, everybody. We'll see you again real soon. Good night.